We're going to be over in the Gospel of Mark today, chapter 3. Some of you folks may remember the old episodes of Dick Van Dyke. There's one episode, this particular problem with their son Richie, he was having with a girl named Priscilla. It was for a period of time he would come home in the afternoon and he'd be battered and bruised because this girl was hitting him. And mom and dad were kind of at a loss as to what to do. So Laura decided to go over to visit Priscilla's mother. She discovered that the mother was very aggressive and the father was very passive. And before she left, Laura and the mother had words and they left very heated. Laura just stormed out of the house. And since there was no resolution with Priscilla's mom or her dad, Rob and Laura kind of hesitantly decided to... uh, tell Richie it would be okay if he wanted to defend himself against Priscilla. So the next time, the next day, Rob came home from work early and the two of them waited. They paced around the living room waiting for Richie to come home from school to see how he had done with this girl. So when they came home, Richie was anxious to get out and play. He wanted to run off and go and they stopped him. He says, no, no, no. How did it go with Priscilla? Did she... Did she hit you? Yeah, she hit me. Well, did you defend yourself? No. He says, I don't, I don't feel good about hitting girls. Well, what did you do? He said, I kissed her. <laughs> and they, they were not expecting such a development. What do you mean you kissed her? Well, every day she's been coming to me saying, unless you kiss me, I'm going to beat you up. So mom and dad said, well, why did you tell us this before? He said, that was too yucky to talk about. <laughs> How many of us have had people problems? Yeah, we have people problems. We were talking a number of weeks ago. We uh, took a little break on some other things dealing with the resurrection. And and last week we threw out to you that if you wanted to, we'd go on to the Antichrist and talk about him some and where he's coming from, such like that. And I had one family who mentioned to me that they would like that and no one else did. So we're going on with other things. Put up on Facebook to let you all know about that in case you you all saw that. We'll uh, maybe visit that topic as another visitor day down the road, but for today, we are here in Mark chapter 3. We've been talking about being steady or being stubborn. How do we tell whether we are being steady for God or if we are just stubborn and not willing to change our ways? Last couple of weeks, we were on this series, we got into the aspect of frustration and how we can get frustrated at some things that happen and go on in our life. When frustration sets in, we saw that we feel, first off, powerless, confused, unjustly treated. Frustration will set in because we feel powerless, confused, or unjustly treated. How often do, it, do you feel frustration that one of those things is not kicking in? We looked at the disciples and they were told by Jesus, let's go to the other side. So they heard the desire that Jesus had to go to the other side. They got in the boat. There was no indication of an upcoming storm. And they do it all. They do what they can when they know as fishermen, what they know to do as fishermen to do. But it's not enough. So they became frustrated. Of course, what was Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's not helping them out at all. (laughs) We said last time we were on this, that doesn't frustration arise. When we do what we know to do, 
with all diligence and fail to get the results we need. We think God should look at our effort and make up the difference. Many of you identify with that feeling. So we ask this question, are the disciples facing more than they can handle? We looked it up in the dictionary and found out that frustration is a feeling of dissatisfaction often accompanied by anxiety or depression resulting from unfulfilled needs or unresolved problems. A feeling of dissatisfaction often accompanied by anxiety or depression resulting from unfulfilled needs or unresolved problems. So what is the difference between anger and frustration? Remember we looked at that story? So that Jesus was angry. The disciples were frustrated. Anger is directed at us for... And there's a cause for it. We gave you a couple of them last time. First off, laziness, not doing what we know to do. You ever been angry at somebody because they were lazy, they didn't do what they know to do? How about neglect? Neglecting the need to grow and develop in what we know, understand and put to use. Disobedience, refusing to do what is required, asked or needed. God very often can get angry at us because we are lazy, because we neglect what we know to do, or because we are disobedient. Frustration, though, is reached by using the wrong tools for task at hand, using the right tools in the wrong way, or using no tool, doing nothing. There's also taking on what we're not graced or gifted for. And we can become frustrated in some of these things. As we got to the end here, we looked at anger is directed at us for the purpose of change or correction. When God gets angry at us, when we as parents get angry at our children, we get angry for the purpose of change or correction. Frustration builds in us for the purpose of dismay, discouragement, and or dysfunction. We don't want those kind of things going on. We looked at Jesus' example in facing the storm. The disciples were battling the waves that had landed in the boat. Very often Christians, instead of battling these storms in the correct way, the way Jesus did, We are either battling the waves that are in the boat or that the waves that are outside the boat. But Jesus dealt with neither of them. He dealt with the the wind. He spoke to the wind and the waves settled down. Most times as believers, we are dealing with the problems that we have or the problems we expect or the things we see might come. We're not speaking to the wind. This, these are principles that we can learn and apply when we are dealing with situations that have a spiritual undertow, that are spiritually based. But how many of y'all know there's some other situations that we face that are different from this? And in Mark chapter 3, we're going to look at this. In Mark chapter 3, verse 1, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And he said to him, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So here's the story. This is the setting of what we come into. How many times have we been in a situation that is tense, that is awkward, that is frustrating, or that angers us, or all these kinds that involve people, not wind? 
We, we, we find them out quite a bit. There are some times that wind is behind the storms that we face and there are some times that it's people. So what we ought to do is look at how Jesus dealt with this one because this, folks, is a storm. It doesn't have the wind. It doesn't have the waves. It doesn't have all those things that go along with the other story of a storm. But this is a storm. It even says so in the story, but you miss it a little bit in the English translation. But he entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. The way that this is phrased in the Greek is phrased in the perfect participle, which means this man had a past completed action that caused his hand to be withered with present day results. It's the same tense they use for salvation. Jesus' work on the cross was a past completed action that had continuing, ongoing, and present day results. Now, the reason this is important is this. First off, by using that tense, the perfect participle, it tells us that he was not born with a withered hand. It tells us that there was some act, something that happened in his life that caused the hand to be withered. It is not an ongoing cause. It was a past tense cause that had present day effects. Tradition tells us that this man is a bricklayer. And that he was hurt on the job. The Word doesn't tell us that part. But tradition tells us that part. What the Word tells us is, this was a past completed action. It happened in the past. It happened completely in the past. But it has repercussions that go on until today. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Now this is interesting. In verse 1, he entered the synagogue for for the first time. Again, which means he's been in this synagogue before. But apparently, when he was there before, whether it's once, twice, three times, I don't know. But when he was there before, the man with the withered hand must not have been there. So now, Jesus is in the synagogue with the man with the withered hand. They've seen him heal people before, so they're watching Is he going to heal this one? So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. They don't care that he heals him. They care that he heals him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. The Pharisees believed their belief of the law. This is not what the Bible teaches, but their belief of the law was that it was improper to heal on the Sabbath unless it was a life or death situation. That's what they believed. That's what they taught. That the Sabbath, that healing on the Sabbath was only for life and death purposes only. The Bible does not teach that. They taught it. But with this teaching that they have passed on to the people and that they held, here comes Jesus. Look at what he says. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. That sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? The actual Greek renders it this way. What he says to the man is this. Be arising into the midst. In other words, man, there's some tension going on in here. There's some stuff happening. There's some people who came to church with an attitude. There's some people who came to church with an expectation of something good or something bad. In this case, something bad. And it permeated the whole place. Have you ever been in a church service and people... Have an attitude. 
And you can tell as soon as you walk in that people have an attitude. People don't like this one. People don't want this going on or people don't like how this happened or whatever. And you walk into the church service and the church service is going on and this attitude is there. You've been in situations like that. This is what they're in. When you have that kind of situation going on, are you unaware of the attitude? <laughs> you are aware of the attitude of what's going on. So here you got the people that are in this, in this synagogue. And how many, more than likely, they sense the, the, the problem. That the Pharisees are here and Jesus is here. And we're all eyeing this guy. What's going to happen with him? If the other people were aware of it, I'm sure whispers went around the church. And it's very possible that this man himself was aware of it. So when he says, be arising into the midst, he says, I see what's going on around here. And I want you, instead of just hiding in the back there, or I want you to come up here. Let's deal with this now. Now, if you've ever been in a service like that, and you came out of there and the Spirit of God had a hard time moving and things weren't going on, how many of you thought, man, people's attitudes are just lousy? We got all these people's attitudes and the Spirit of God couldn't move. What you'll see, though, is that we got church service going on here and a miraculous thing happened and the anointing that was on Jesus flowed and this man was healed despite what was going on in the midst. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> kind of blows away some of our thoughts of, of all that. So he says to the man, step forward. Now, he does not say to the man anything about his healing. He just says wherever he was in the synagogue to step forward, whether that meant come to the front, whether that meant to get out of the where he was and just be somewhere where everybody could see him. Whatever it was, he understood what it meant. He got into the right place and then Jesus proceeded. So he said, be arising into the midst. Come on out over here. And so he did. And then he said to who? He said to them. Now, before, when he was woken up and the wind and the waves were all going all over the place, he spoke to the wind. Now he speaks to the people. He is not just speaking to the Pharisees. He is speaking to all of them. Because if you have a group of people, I could not just come up here to the front and say something from up here in the front to Brother Jolly because you all would hear it. So when he is speaking, even if he is directing his comments to them, everyone heard it. They're all listening to what's going on. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they kept silent. Now see, if, if he had dealt with this the way a lot of Christians would, they saw the problem. I know that what I'm going to do is right. I'm going to heal this man. And he just went on and healed the man. There would have been a problem. There would have been a storm that arose in there. But what's he do? He speaks something first. Just before he spoke to the wind. And then the wave stopped. Now he speaks to this problem. This is the problem. They have taught people that only life and death situations require healing on the Sabbath. Come on the other days if you want to be healed. This day we don't heal. That's work. <laughs> and we don't want to do any work on the Sabbath. That was their basis for it. So he gets up there and he addresses this thing. 
Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Is it lawful? Well, what do you think the answer to that question would be? Is it lawful? <laughs> well, you, when you phrase it like that, it surely sounds like it. It sounds like well, something ought to go going on. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? What Jesus is doing here is he is challenging their premise. Too many times Christians have gotten into doctrinal discussions, arguments, because first off, they accepted the premise of people that were coming to them. You must always look for the premise on which people are basing their arguments. Take, for instance, the um, argument we have in the, in the world today about evolution or creation. They propose the premise that you cannot expect everyone to have faith in God. That's their premise. That's not fair. Not everybody is a, is a person of faith. And yet, if you look at evolution, it takes a whole lot of faith to believe in evolution. Evolution is not a non-faith belief. It takes a whole lot of belief. And, and very few of these people have it because if you went out to the junkyard and set off a bomb, you're not going to come out of there with a nice uh, Aston Martin or Ford truck or doggone, you won't even get a Yugo. You mean you could blow that thing up how many times? And it's not going to happen, is it? But they want you to believe in evolution that these things, well, they just came together. These life-creative forces just came together and all these life beings came out of that. Well, that takes faith. Well, we begin to argue about whether we should have faith or God or not. No. You just have faith in something else. You've got to challenge the premise. Too often, we're not challenging the premise first and we're arguing off of the fact that that premise is true. There's a whole lot of premises that have not been challenged. And don't expect our news media to challenge it because they don't challenge any premise unless it's to their advantage. Do you know that one of our Supreme Court justices went over to Egypt to help them formulate their new constitution? You know what she told them? Did anybody hear this? Don't use ours as an example. Supreme Court justice. It's, um, I think, O'Connor. I think it was the one. Is that the one it was? Ginsburg. Ruth Ginsburg, that's it. Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She went over to Egypt and she said, don't use our constitution as a, as a basis because our constitution is flawed. They see it as, there's a lot of people in government who see our constitution as flawed because it does not say what government can do to you. It says what government cannot do to you. And they see that as flawed. Can you imagine having somebody on the Supreme Court who is supposed to defend the Constitution who does not believe in the document? And yet, when people talk about this person and other persons like them and their decisions, aren't they basing it off the fact that they believe in the Constitution? Well, obviously that premise isn't true. There's a whole lot of things that just aren't true. There was a lady in the news who attacked one of the Republican candidates' uh, wives. Did you hear about that one? Because she was a stay-at-home mom. And yet this very same person a few years earlier praised a Democratic candidate's wife because she was a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> you see, they're, 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 no one challenges their premise. They can go from one premise to another as it, fit, as it suits them. 
because they're not exposing the real premise. They cover it up with some of these others. The Pharisees were covering up what they truly believed with some of these false premises because they were easier to defend than the real thing. And so Jesus is cutting to the matter. He is getting to the heart of it. If you want to argue with these folks or debate these folks, you've got to first off identify their premise and then speak to it like Jesus did and make it impossible for it to stand. So, I put something in your outline about this too. I want to make sure that we get it. When dealing with evil people, the goal is to expose the false premise. When dealing with evil people, the goal is to expose their false premise, expose their false teaching, expose their false intentions. This is what Jesus does. Their intentions are not for the good of the people. Their teaching was false. There's nothing in the Bible about this. He exposed their false premise, their false teaching, their false intentions, so that those around can follow the light. That's what Jesus wanted to do. They were following darkness, but they didn't know it was darkness because the Pharisees had taught them that this was light. So Jesus brings the true light in. Whenever you bring the true light in, it exposes the false light as darkness. Real easy to do that. So that those around can follow the light. Now, here's what I wanted you to get. The power of the false is in the illusion that most follow or believe it. The power of the false is in the illusion that most follow or believe it. Now, you know this already. How many times have we heard this whole thing about global warming and no matter how much stuff they come out about how the tests were false, how the, doc, how the data was, was falsified, how the people who promoted it didn't even believe it, how many times has that all come out? Emails have been found and documents have been found to be doctored and all this sort of stuff and they still want to go off and, and, and promote it. And how many government leaders and other high ups have said, well, most reputable scientists agree. And most don't. But they want to pass off that most people do this. They want to pass off that most people in America are for this. But most are not. If they give the impression that most people go this way, then they have power. This is why you see so much done in polls. Because by using, they can make a poll by changing who you sample and changing, phrasing the questions in a certain way. You can make a poll say anything you want to. So if you can get people to believe that 52%, 58%, 65% of the people feel this way, oh, well, if most people feel that way, I guess I ought to. The power of the false is in the illusion that most follow or believe it. So you've got to expose it as being false and reveal that most people don't follow it. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's letting them know this is, most people don't follow this, this line of thinking. So let's just put it down here. If you believe that the Sabbath is not for this, do you believe that on the Sabbath it's good, it's a good thing to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? Which one do you believe is right for the Sabbath to be done? Well, most people are going to answer that what? Do good on the Sabbath. Most people are going to say, save a life, don't kill on the Sabbath. Most people, and they're, they're all probably shaking their head. Well, yeah, 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 they're good, they're good. Yeah. You see, he's exposing that most people don't follow that. 
So the power of the false is in the illusion that multitudes follow it. If you dispel the illusion of that, the power is gone. And that's what Jesus does. This is what we need to do. When we are dealing with false things, we need to show, you know what? Most people don't have faith in evolution. Most people don't really believe that they can go on that way. And you just talk to them about it. Do you really believe that all this is going on? Do you really believe that people can figure out what happened to man on based on three point whatever skeletons? They only have four partial skeletons that they based all this stuff out of. And for most of the part, when I was going to school, they had three. They found the fourth one recently. But they based all that evolution stuff, all those different shapes of men, based on those, those certain ones. The power of the false is in the, in the illusion that most follow or believe it. The power of the light is the truth. The power of the false, the power of darkness is one way. The power of light is in its truth. Because if something is true, it will stand. It will stand forever. So what you need to do is find out what the truth is and just ex- just explain it. Now, does Jesus expect the Pharisees to change their mind? How many think that Jesus has a realistic expectation that when He says this to the Pharisees, they're going to say, Oh! We've been teaching the people wrong. We will repent of that and we will from this point on teach this truth about the Sabbath. Do you think Jesus has any expectation about that at all? All right. If Jesus doesn't expect the Pharisees to change, why speak to them? Because these people have had influence over the multitudes that are there and the multitudes are falling after their darkness. So we got to first off take the teaching that has been taught and expose it for being false, regardless of whether the Pharisees follow it, the illusion of multitudes following is gone. The Pharisees themselves know there is no power in what they have taught. And if the people are not behind it, then they are powerless, which is why Jesus throws it out this way. You tell me, is it, is it a good thing to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill. And they remained. They didn't say a word. Why? Because their power is in the multitudes being behind them. And they know no matter what they say, they lose the multitudes. They lose the power. Isn't Jesus brilliant? I mean, you speak to a, you speak to a storm, you speak to the winds. You have people problems, you speak the truth. It won't cure everybody. But has Jesus now changed the atmosphere of this place? He has not changed those that were hard, but He changed those who followed the darkness because they thought it was right. He changed them. You cannot change everybody. In fact, there's a whole lot of people in your life you cannot change. We'll get into why that is as we get on here. Let's get on back and look at this. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger. Remember he was angry at the disciples? He's angry here. He's not frustrated because he's not powerless. He is angry for the reasons we gave before. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as the other. Then the Pharisees went out. They didn't say anything more. Of course, they said something by leaving. And immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now, if you got this group of people in there that are causing the atmosphere to be bad, and Jesus says this, all the people say, oh, that's right, that's right. And the man gets healed, and they leave. I think they probably had service after that, too. <laughs> I think things probably went on. He got rid of those guys. But he, he spoke the truth. We've got to learn what things to speak. We've got to first off identify the premise. You say, well, I'm not good at all that. You don't have to be. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you what kind of things to say, what kind of things to do, how to help this thing out. The power of the light is the truth. There are a whole lot of folks that are not going to accept it. But that's still the power of the light. Going back to the news media again. Remember before when uh, Dan Rather had a, had a particular thing he wanted to get going on in the news and he couldn't find documents to support it, so he created them. And he put it on out there. Here's the story. And, uh, and they found out, well, you wait a minute. We're looking at these documents and there was, no, there was no typewriter who could type this way back in the day that you say it was made. This is a new typewriter. This is actually done on a laser printer. And they finally exposed it and Dan had to come clean and say, well, yeah, but if, if, if that's what they should say. We know the story is true and we just because we couldn't find it doesn't mean it wasn't true. It was true. We just had to make up the documents to prove it. <laughs> and he actually held to that. And then people all rallied around him and they had this big award ceremony and gave Dan rather a life achievement award because he was being ganged up on by everybody else. That's why the news media folks, you cannot expect them to bring truth. They're not going to do it. The power of the light is the truth. The news media does not care about the truth. That all should come out real clear in just the last couple of weeks when they had that story about the, the man who was killed by the other. And they doctored the audio. They doctored the video. And then when it started to leak out that they had doctored it, then they suddenly presented enhanced audio. An enhanced video. That's garbage. Y'all were caught. But see, it is nothing to them if they have a story and they want a certain dialogue out of it, they want a certain line to create the evidence to prove it. But when you listen to them, you don't know which is true and which is not. So you know what? Don't listen. Don't listen to them. They're not presenting truth. Over and over and over and over, we see that they do this. Don't do it. Don't listen to them. Dealing with evil people. The goal is to expose the false premise, expose the false teaching, expose the false intentions so that the light, so that those around can follow the light. The people who brought these lies are probably not going to follow the light. Jesus' concern was not for the Pharisees. When they left the building, He didn't chase after them. He let them go. See ya. And what did they do when they left? Met up with the Herodians. For what purpose? To plot how they should kill them. What day is today? The day that they're, they're going over this? It's the Sabbath. Right? It is the Sabbath and they got together with their arch enemies, the Herodians, to plan the death of Jesus. What did Jesus say to them before? Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to what did they just go off and do? Plot to kill. So these guys 
who want the Sabbath to be kept holy and not desecrated with this healing business are okay on the Sabbath to go out there and plot how they can kill somebody. Let alone that it's God's anointed. <laughs> can you see how when you get into darkness, you can do anything and it's right? That's why many people in our world, with these, these folks who spout these lies, they are so caught up in darkness, they can't tell the difference between lies and truth. Don't listen to them. Don't put any weight in anything they say. Because whatever they say is probably a lie or based on a lie. They have no reason to give you the truth and they themselves cannot even tell it. Just like these Pharisees. It goes on in Mark chapter 3 and verse 7. But Jesus withdrew with His disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed Him from Judea and Jerusalem and Endumia and beyond the Jordan those from Tyre and Sidon a great multitude when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. Now, you, right after this, you got this great multitude following after Jesus. What's that tell the Pharisees? He's got the power. We don't. We don't have a great multitude of us because the power of their deception is in the multitude of those that supposedly follow it. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him, and the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. So many followed. He healed many and cast out demons, warning them. He spoke to the demons like he spoke to the wind, but not the same way that he spoke to the Pharisees. Unclean spirits. Get this part of it down. This will help you in your life. Unclean spirits don't have the choice to disobey the command of God. If God's Word tells them you will leave, you will go out, you will stop, they have to obey. But people do disobey the command of God. Unclean spirits don't have the choice to disobey the command of God, but people do. People have the choice. They don't have to obey. Just because you come out with the truth, just come out, will you come out and say, you know, get thee behind me, doesn't mean they will. The demon spirits are different. But the people are not. That's why you speak to each one differently. There's one way you speak to the storm. There's one way you speak to people. With the people here, he exposed their lies, their falsehood, and rendered them powerless. Jump on down to verse 20. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. His own people. In other words, people where he grew up. People that, his brothers, sisters, uh, you know, aunts, uncles, mom and dad were not involved in that, I'm sure, but, because they expected these kind of things, but the other ones, none of his brothers believed in Jesus. Until after he got, until he, after he was uh, raised up from the dead. Then we have a few that had, uh, had come about, come about to follow after Jesus, but not while he was here. So there's many in his hometown when they saw him doing these things, commanding demon spirits and talking to the Pharisees this way and healing and so forth. They thought he's out of his mind. And so they came to get him. <laughs> what gets into people? If a man's walking around having authority over sickness and disease, having authority over diseases, and he calms storms, what do you think you're going to do? But they came anyway. 
And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. How many people have ever been in a situation where people have said some untrue things about you? Does that cause you to be frustrated? Because we feel like we are powerless in the situation. I can't stop them from saying those things. I can't stop other people from believing those things. And it puts us in a position where we feel powerless and we get frustrated. But that's not how Jesus responds. So you got people going around, all right, all right he's, he's casting out demons, he's healing people, but it's by the power of Beelzebub. By the rule of the demons, he casts out demons. So he called them to himself and he said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. Now, many times people look at this and they say, all right, well, the only way that there's no way that Satan would cast out Satan. He's not saying that. He's saying that if a kingdom is divided against itself, it won't stand. Does Satan's kingdom stand? No. It happens just like Jesus says. And if Satan has risen up against himself, he is divided and he cannot stand, but has an end. Does Satan have an end? Yes, he does. He is not teaching that Satan cannot raise up people to do some of these lying signs and wonders. What he's saying is, if I do it that way, my kingdom will not stand. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man. And then he will plunder his house. Well, Satan, you're going to come into Satan's house? You're going to have to bind him up. If Satan's going to come into your house, he's going to have to bind you up. There's got to be some binding going on. Because people don't just let you just walk out with their stuff. They put up a fight. People will use accusations to promote their agenda. They will accuse you just like they accused Jesus, just like they accused Paul, just like they accused Peter, just like they accused John, just like they accused how many people in the Old Testament. If people want to come against you, they throw out an accusation. And they accuse you of something. They're accusing Jesus of some things. Jesus combats this with the truth. That's all you got to do. Just come at it with the truth. Yeah, but not everybody will believe it. It don't matter. <laughs> See, you don't get frustrated if you don't put yourself in a position where you feel powerless. You're not powerless. You can't stop everybody from believing a lie. Any more than God stops everybody from believing a lie about Him. People will believe a lie if they want to. And people will believe a lie about you if they want to. But see, that's the thing. They want to. Let them. You speak the truth. Well, here's the truth. Because the truth will stand up. Down the road, a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, a year from now, that truth will still stand. It's not going anywhere. It's staying right there. And it will come about. Don't worry about it. Don't lose any sleep over it. You can't change it. You cannot stop people from believing these things. If they want to believe it, well, go on ahead. What are you going to do? I've been involved in situations myself, like you have. And people have said things. I know that's not true. I speak the truth as it is. You spoke the truth as it is. And people decided to believe the lie. Lost relationships. Things got severed. 
I had people I worked with very closely. And things got severed over a lie. I knew it wasn't a lie. I knew, I knew what the truth was. And I spoke the truth. But they wanted to believe the lie. I let them believe the lie. They found out a few years later I wasn't the one lying. Big situation. Caused all, all kinds of problems. But it didn't bother me. Didn't have any effect on me. Don't let it have an effect on you. If people want to believe the lie, well, you can't deal with people the same way you deal with demon spirits. Demon spirits, you say go, and they go. You say that to people, they don't always go. When dealing with people, we got to keep in mind how Jesus dealt with this one. People will use accusations to promote their agenda, but Jesus combats it with the truth and understands that those who refuse to hear will cling to a lie and bear its fruit. Lies have fruit just like truth has fruit. One you like and one you don't. One tastes good, one's not so good. Stay with the truth. In the short run, it looks like the truth is hard. How many have ever been in situations where if I stay with the truth, I'm going to lose some people? I'm going to lose some friends. I'm going to lose some influence. might lose my job. I'm going to lose some money. I'm going to lose something. It looks like you're going to lose some things. It's all right. You'll gain them later on. God will bring them back to you. Don't worry about it. Stay with the truth. The frustration comes in Here's where frustration comes in. When we try to hang on to those things, those people who would rather believe the lie, we're trying to hang on to them and hang on to the truth. And you can't do it. You've got to be willing to say, you know what? The truth is more important to me. I will stand by the truth. Now, those people may go off and they may believe the lie for a while. Maybe they eventually find out, oh, this is the lie I followed after. And maybe they come back and they repent. And they ask your forgiveness. Well, you need to forgive them. You need to walk in in a state of mind of forgiveness. You need to have in your own state of mind forgiveness. Boy, did I learn that one when the, because I had one situation that was just huge. Where people just outright, I mean ministers. People who had degrees after their name and reverend and pastor and such things, things like that in front of it. Lied. Right in front of me. Said one thing to me and then a week later, lied about it, said something completely different to other people. And I tried to bring them back to the point. He says, look, there's no benefit in me promoting a lie on this. I don't benefit. Yeah, that didn't matter. Well, then go ahead, believe what you want. But we, we lost relationships. I had people that I had done things with in ministry, stood with, suffered with, came through some things on, and all those relationships were lost. But, glory to God. Other people came in and replaced them. And they were better people. <laughs> Stronger. Had a whole lot more fun. You don't worry about it. God will bring other ones in. Stay with the truth. Just speak the truth. Don't ever get caught in a situation where you want to speak a lie. Because it's not going to help you out. Jesus exposes where they were at. How many have had people storms? We've got people storms that are going on around. We've got people that are mad. We've got people that are upset. We've got people that are this... I mean, it's hardly a week goes by. It doesn't seem like there's somebody's involved in a people storm somewhere. Some of you probably just had it last week, think I was reading your mail, because no, this is just, this is what happens. You're either going to face storms on the water that are caused by wind, or you're going to face storms by people. 
I think we face more storms by people. And if I go through the Gospels, Jesus faced more storms with people than he faced with wind. And some of those ones by people were nasty. They were harsh. There is nothing wrong with you just because they're mad at you. Is there anything wrong with Jesus? The Pharisees mad at him? But you see, when he, if he just walked in there and healed that person, he may have had some of the other people mad at him as well. Because they thought this was truth. But he exposed the lie first. He exposed the false, false teaching that they had. And then he went on and helped the man out. Put this here at the end of your outline. When dealing with something spiritual, speak to the wind. If there are forces, spiritual forces that are behind stirring things up against your business, spiritual forces that are stirring things up against you personally, against whatever it is that's coming against you, against your boat, whatever it might be, if there are, speak to the spiritual forces before you ever deal with the waves. Well, I'm not in a boat too often. I don't get too many waves that come my way. I mean, you're thinking that. I'm not in a boat. I don't go anywhere in a boat. I've seen waves. That's all right. This is, we were just talking to some folks this week. Here's a real good application of this thing where you can see this about it. Too often, we face spiritual battles fighting waves. You cannot fight spiritual battles and fight waves. If we have a spiritual promise, you cannot fight waves. Abraham was told, you are going to be a father of many. Is that a spiritual promise? Was there a spiritual force coming against him to stop that? Yeah. Because the devil knew this is the one that's coming through. We've got to stop this. He cannot have a baby. He's doing everything he can to stop that thing from happening. We had to speak to that. But he kept dealing with waves. Oh, I don't have a child. All right, well, we'll, we'll do this. And he got Ishmael. That didn't work out so well. See, we deal with waves. We deal with waves. How many times have you, you're believing God for a job? You're believing God for a healing? You're believing God for some kind of promise that He put in, in your word? And we focus off of the spiritual battle we get ourselves under the wave. Well, this interview better come through. All right, well, this is the job. All right, well, this test result better come back this way. No, you, you don't do that. If the devil can get you from, fo- in a spiritual battle, if he can get you from focusing off of the wind and onto the waves, he's got you licked. Because you're going to have more waves come at you than you can, you can defend yourself against. When it's a spiritual battle, you fight it spiritually. If you're believing for a healing, I'm healed. I don't care what the doctor says along the way. I don't care how many tests there are along the way. I don't care what kind of things come along the way. I'm healed. That's all there is to it. For a job, I don't care how many people say no. I got a a new job. That's how you deal with spiritual battles. But here we're dealing with people battles. When dealing with something spiritual, speak to the wind. When dealing with people, speak the truth. When you're dealing with people, speak the truth. When you speak the truth, you will get one group of people mad at you and they'll walk out. You get another group of people helped and you get some other people that are just kind of indifferent to the whole thing. It don't matter. Speak the truth. That's how we do it. That's what Jesus tells us. If we speak the truth, we disarm the people that are against us. Don't speak hate. Don't speak anger. Don't speak other stuff. Speak the truth. So it'll help you out. 
Dealing with people, speak the truth. You are not, get this part down, because this is the part that causes people to be frustrated. You are not responsible for those who refuse it. And when you see Jesus watching the Pharisees leave the room and he doesn't chase them, <laughs> when you see the, the parable he gives of the prodigal son and he doesn't chase after them, when he doesn't go jump in the meeting of the Herodians, when Daniel doesn't jump in the meeting with the king, they're plotting against me. We don't have to chase after people who refuse the truth. It's their choice. Relax. I just need to present the truth. You need to believe it. If you don't believe it, yeah, it's not going to help. I told some people, one person that we were, I was talking with about, you know, they, they were refusing to get saved and, and get born again and such. And so I said, well, you're a braver soul than I am. Hope you do well in the tribulation. Because that's a terrible time. So I'm glad I'm getting out of here. But you're going to go through it. I hope yeah, you, you'll be braver than I am. Can't convince people. They've got to believe it. If people want to believe a lie, you have to let them. Just, well, go believe the lie then. This is where the truth is. Speak the truth. This is what Jesus did. Now, we just took one story. How many of you are right now in your mind going over some other stories that Jesus had with people and you're seeing every time he dealt with a person, what does he do? The woman brought with him caught in adultery. What's he do? He spoke the truth of the situation. Constantly. He just speaks the truth of it. And not everybody converted. Most of the people left. But the woman who was caught in adultery, you think she converted? You are not responsible for those who refuse it. Just speak the truth. And when you speak the truth, just know there's a whole lot of folks that are more comfortable with a lie than they are the truth. And they will accept the lie readily and they refuse your truth. Oh well. Love them. Help them out. If you ever find out the fruit of that lie is, is bad. But you see, we're chasing after people. And creating, putting ourselves in a frustrating situation because I feel like I've got to change them, I've got to correct them, I've got to do that. No. Jesus didn't do it. If Jesus didn't do it, why are we doing it? No, you want to believe that way? All right, you know better. Maybe they don't know better. If they don't, tell them. Here's the truth. Which one do you want to believe? Well, I'm going to believe this one. Okay. But whatever thing we choose in life, whatever we choose to believe, we will bear the fruit of that belief. People who believe in evolution bear the fruit of that belief. People who believe in creation bear the fruit of that belief. We bear the fruit of it. It doesn't matter what fruit you want to bear. I'd rather bear fruit that's based on the truth. I'm sure you all do too. But just understand, you're going to encounter people on a regular basis who would rather believe the lie. Doesn't the Romans talk about that? People that would rather believe a lie than believe the truth. There are people that the, the prophets would talk about. They would heap up for themselves teachers who would tickle their ears, who would tell them the things they want to hear, not the things that are true. Jesus has multitudes following him right now, but he's going to continue to speak the truth. He's going to continue to speak the truth. And you know what happens to his numbers? They go down. He went one time, turns to his disciples and says, you guys going to leave me too? And 
Peter has those famous words. What's he say? Who else has the words of life? <laughs> you see, they were caught up with the truth. Once you get satisfied with the truth, lies will not satisfy you. You can pick them out. You can say, oh, that's a lie. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, I'm not going to bring that in. But there are some people, they cannot discern the difference between the lies and the truth. And they feed off the lie the same way they feed off a truth. Now get this part. What kind of food do you think they get from the truth? If you can feed off of a lie the same way you feed off of a truth, what kind of, a, what kind of meat are you actually getting off of that truth? All right, that's not making sense to you? Look at it this way. How many times have you heard truths about faith, about healing, about the power of God, about the Holy Spirit, and you take that truth in and it permeates and it grows and your understanding grows and you have other people in your life who have heard the same truth and has done nothing. You know why? Because if you will embrace a lie with the same amount of enthusiasm as the truth, what you are getting from the truth is not substantial. It's very weak. And you can be pulled off of it instantly. It's a huge difference on that. That's what keeps certain people weak is because they cannot pull the, the, the power. What was that movie? That um, Dead Poet Society. I just thought of this. There's that, there's that quote. Um, I forget who the poet was. I'm not a person who studies poetry. My exposure to poetry was in that movie. <laughs> so, but he was talking to, I think uh, the, the main character, Robin Williams, was reading from one of the poets. He was talking about sucking the marrow out of the, out of the bone of life or something like that. And, and they were, what's that mean? What's that mean? What's that mean? Folks, there is truth. And for some people, they don't, they don't get anything out of it. But there are other people who can take the very marrow out of that thing and just suck it out. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is good. That's the kind of people we need to be. Not everyone you come in contact with is like that. They can get just as much from a lie as they can from the truth. Give you one more example. Have you ever heard somebody who has brought to you some new doctrine that they heard and were real excited about it? And they were telling you about all these life principles and all the things the Holy Spirit was teaching them about this. And you heard it and you say, <laughs> Do you even read the Bible? Do you even know what the Bible says? How can you even believe that? All right. If the Holy Spirit is telling them all this stuff out of a lie, what is the Holy Spirit really telling them about the truth? You understand? Just because you hear the truth doesn't mean you get what is there. You can hear the truth and miss it. Same way that Jesus taught in parables and the Pharisees heard the truth and when did they come out with it? Dry. Dry angry, bitter. And what do the other people get out of it? They go home and they meditate on it for hours. Oh, yeah. what's that mean? What's that mean? Oh, oh, they're, they're feeding off of that thing. Not everybody does this. The people who don't do not get the life out of the Word of God. Be one of those who gets the life out of the Word of God. Don't ever settle for a lie. Make sure you know the difference between the truth and a lie. It should be as you grow up and spiritually... As soon as someone promotes a lie about the Word of God, a lie about God, instantly, just like that, in your spirit comes up, nope, that's wrong. Why? I don't get that same life force out of that. 
that I get out of truth, truth in the Word of God. That doesn't bear witness with my spirit on the inside of me. Now, I, know that's, that's not, I don't know why it's not right, but I know it's not right. It's not the Word of God. But not everybody is like that. And you're going to deal with a whole lot of people that are weaker. And don't, now, I'll train them up, try and help them get to that place where they can pull the marrow out of the truth. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll change their life. That'll change your life. But there's a whole lot of people you will not be able to get to that place. Help them out all you can. Help them out all you can. Give them the truth. It's the difference between facing the storms on the water caused by the wind and storms caused by people. You speak to them differently. If you speak to it right, you can change it. But you won't change the people. You can just change the situation. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in your word. So much we have to learn. So much our spirits have to glean from it. But you're here to help us out all the way. We thank you for the understanding you give us. We know people problems are huge in our life. Big source of frustration. More so, it seems, even in the wind that comes down off the mountains and causes the waves. (laughs) Father, you want us to be equipped to fight both battles. As we go through the Word of God on our own this week and begin to study it, help us to see times Jesus spoke the truth to disarm a situation. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.